Hey, good morning, friends, and welcome to East Bay Calvary Church. Ah, I've been looking forward to today since last Sunday at about 12.01. I just love this. I just love to see you folks. You know, there's a number of things we need to celebrate together. One is yesterday was TC Cares. It's a ministry that we linked with Sojourn Church on the other side of town. And yesterday at the special ministry um, with the many churches involved, we were over, able to help over 110 families in this area with special needs that they had. So that's just fantastic. The thing I loved is we took our numbers. Last year we had five advocates that went and helped, and that's tremendous. This year we had 20 advocates from our church, East Bay, to go and help at this, and that does a pastor's heart really good when I hear people volunteer like that. Here's another volunteer area. I don't know if you've gone through the children's wing downstairs, but we have had a group come through and completely repaint all of that in nice, bright colors and colors that connect with some themes that we're going to be doing in the future with our kids' ministry, and a huge thank you to them. That is not an easy job, especially when like, you don't have all of a weekend to work on this. Many of them came in even during the week, and then right after church on Sunday, they went right to work like that. So I'm so thankful. You need to go through down there. I do miss, there was one room that had a big moose mural, and I kind of do miss the moose. Um, but I'm excited about how clean and sharp it is down there, so I'm, I'm really pleased Hey, um, I got a couple things. Yesterday, uh, some of my family went to the Salvation Army. And um, guess what we found at the Salvation Army? An East Bay Calvary mug. Just so you know, um, our elders are having this dusted for fingerprints. And we will find you, friend. We will find you. My concern, now we're going to all the consignment shops wondering if people from our church are trying to make money off of this. <laughs> so anyways, <clears throat> we bought it for 29 cents. Can you believe that? I'll tell you what we do have. We do have <clears throat> these special Yeti-type mugs for all who are guests with us. If you're a guest with us, if this isn't your regular place of worship, what you need to do after the service, you need to meet us in the Welcome Center back there. And we have a whole bunch of these for everyone who's a guest with us. We don't trust our regular attenders because we know they'll give them away. But if you're a guest, we trust you. We love you. And we want to set you up. That way you have something to walk away and remember us by during the week. So make sure that you do that and um, meet us at the Welcome Center right after the service. Just scooch right out of here and go right back there. And we will uh, set you up with that and say good to have you. You want to buy one of these or one of these? I'll give you a deal on this, Richard. Okay, we'll talk right after the service, huh? Okay. Anyways, there's that. Hey, last week we talked about wisdom, and I said, if you have any stories of wisdom, let me know. And I actually received a number of emails. I received some phone calls, and then I got, I also got a letter of a story of someone at a particular time in their life, they got wisdom. And so I wanted to read this to you really quick. This is kind of cool. Um, I can't go through the whole thing, 
but I will mention, um, it says, I'm pleased to respond to your request to share my life experience with you regarding God's wisdom that I benefited from. He goes on to mention in his early 20s, he was stepping out, had gone through college, and um, was in an engineering career. He says, by this time I had accepted Christ as my Savior and was attempting to live the Christian life. The Holy Spirit was urging me to realize I was ready to find a female companion for my life. Now that's a good realization, huh? Yeah. Um, Remember we mentioned, if you need wisdom, the first thing, you just need to admit it, I need wisdom. The second thing we needed to remember is to pray. So catch this. I prayed. I prayed often to understand God's guidance in this major decision. So after praying... Our church youth group and young adult group had many female members of marrying age. <clears throat> Two of them worked with a young Christian woman who sang in a trio at her home church 50 miles away. These two women had the task of providing a program for our next Sunday night youth meeting and invited this woman and her youth group to come and provide our program. I missed the meeting, but attended the evening church service where I sang in the choir. The visiting women had decided to stay over to attend the evening service as well. Another reason to join the choir. From my choir position, I noticed the visiting young ladies, particularly a very attractive blonde who noticed my bobbing head going, attempting to get a better perspective. After the service, I dashed downstairs to get to the blonde's pew. I had a friend in tow to introduce us and had a very nice conversation and walked her to her car. I had no paper, so I asked her to write her name and address in the front of my Bible. We still have that Bible today. We were married the following July 31st, 64 years ago. Yeah, isn't that cool? And here's how all this works. I found out later that Nancy, the blonde, had also been praying to to recognize the spouse God had for her. This is my buddy Herb Gerhardt right down here in front pew. So praise God for for that story. Now there's going to be all kinds of kids in our youth group praying for God to... And we'll have a teen choir that'll be up here singing every week. Amen. Amen. There we go. (laughs) Wow, this is getting out of hand, people. Let's just slow down. Hey, every one of us has a story. In fact, um, before we even get to this, why don't you grab your Bible and turn to James 1. I'll give you a head start. It's toward the latter end of your copy of the Scriptures, James 1. Um, You can also go ahead and open up... um, Search in your iPod or your iPad or whatever. We have guest Wi-Fi here. And you can look for James 1. And uh, everyone has a story. I don't know all of your story. Some stories are filled with some tremendous accounts of great things happening. Other stories, it's been tough. It's been real tough. Everyone has this experience, and for some people, and I know even lately, that experience has meant health problems or loss or trouble or divorce. 
I've talked to some people, and it's been reward, it's been excitement, it's been great circumstances. And so all of these things are part of our story that God wants us to use to connect people with Jesus. And a part of your story and a part of my story today is is what we have. And, And I don't know if you've thought about this, but you know, a part of your story and a part of my story are our possessions or our finances. And today we're going to talk about this James 1 text because he's going to say, you know what, whatever you have, whatever you own, whatever is in your bank account, or even whatever is not in your bank account, or whatever you don't have, is all a part of your story to point people to Jesus Christ. So here we are in James chapter 1, and the thing I love, we're going to be talking about money today, and I really think this is my first time talking about money here at East Bay Calvary Church. And I love the reality that here we have a book in our hands or on your iPod that was written almost 2,000 years ago, and it so addresses exactly what we all deal with today. It's so practical. It's so true. And it, like, what else would you expect from a book written by God, right? It's so cool. So here we are in James chapter 1. I just want to point you to a few verses, starting in verse 9. I just want to read through three verses here, uh, four verses, 9, 10, 11, and 12 of James chapter 1. So check this out in your copy, and I'll just read them for you for you to hear this morning. So he starts out and he says, Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom fails or falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. So here we go. We have the Bible open. You have your East Bay Weekly Flip that over. We got some notes we want to work through here together for our study and discussion here today. And I want to give you this main idea. The main idea, God can use your wealth or he can use your poverty to point people to him. I love this because we have the whole spectrum here, gang. And and all of us can point people to Jesus. You don't have to say, man, I can't point people to Jesus. I don't have much money. You don't need money to point people to Jesus. And he can use your wealth or your poverty to point people to him. Here's the very first command that we find here in the text. It's one of your blanks there on your East Bay Weekly. And he's talking to poor believers. So that's most of us here today. Here we go. Poor believers. And he mentions these folks in verse 9. Believers in humble circumstances. Some translation says those who are lowly. And here's the main emphasis. Poor believers, here's your word for the blank, calculate the value of God's true blessing. Calculate the value of God's true blessing. Essentially, he's going to say, don't be fooled by what you don't have. Don't be fooled by what you don't have thinking God's blessings aren't coming. 
calculate the value of God's true blessings. I just want to walk through a few words for us here to understand this, and then I want to jump into some application on it. Here's the first one. The word lowly, or in humble circumstance, it means those who are cast down, those who are of low estate, those who are depressed, those who are short on resources. And let me just tell you, here we know from the first couple verses in the text when we studied this a few weeks ago, these believers were actually on the run. There was persecution that was going on in the church in Jerusalem. Saul was an individual who was at the heartbeat of this. They were killing Christians. They were dragging them out of their homes. They were throwing people into prison. So these, bam, these guys were on the run. They were out of there, and they were off to other cities outside of Jerusalem. So number one, they probably left a whole lot behind. We know from historical things, at the same time, famine struck this area. And here they left so much behind, I'm sure when they got to wherever they were going, they're saying, oh, no. We not only left so much behind, now there's very little here. We're in a famine-stricken area. And then the other thing that probably the worst thing is no one around them cared about these new believers in Jesus that were coming to their city. It wasn't like people were opening up the doors and giving them money and helping them out. These people were not popular. And so they were in extremely humble situations. They were very poor. They were without most things, and they were shunned by the majority in their community. They were not getting help at all. And here's the command. If you're in a humble circumstance, if you're downtrodden, if you're of low estate or depressed or short on resources, here's the command. Take pride. Take pride. Literally, here's what this means. Be loud with the tongue. Like boast it up. Talk it up. Have confidence and joy. So I know that you're thinking what I'm thinking. If I don't have much, I'm supposed to boast about it? The last thing people want to do when they're strapped with cash is to take pride. Low finances often doesn't bring confidence, joy, and pride. It can bring defeatism. It can bring depression. It can bring despair. And whenever I think about this, there's one story that comes to mind from about eight years ago. I'm going to read it for you. <clears throat> this happened in an area not far from where I was in New York State. It was in Columbia County, New York, <clears throat> when state police say an upstate dairy farmer shot and killed 51 of his milk cows in his barn before turning the rifle on himself. They found the body of 59-year-old Dean Pearson in his barn on a Thursday, and a visitor found the note on the door <clears throat> that he had left saying, don't come in and just call police. This hamlet is about 115 miles north of New York City, <clears throat> The local farmers the next day actually dug trenches around the barn and buried all 51 of his milk cows. And they would not discuss to the press anything about the situation. But one of the farmers said this. Here's what he said. It's a really hard time to be a farmer. He said, we're all short on cash. And that's why this is crazy. Now wait. I'm sure on cash, I'm low on resources, I hardly have anything, and you're telling me to take pride? 
Like to boast with the tongue, to be confident. Well, notice what he says to take pride in. He says, take pride in their high position. Well, I thought we were in a low position. We are. In reality, we're in a humble situation. We're short on, on resources and cash. But he says, look past that. Don't let your lack of finances cause you to think that you're not blessed. Take pride in your high position. So what is our high position? Number one, we've ruled out the fact that it's a lot of money. Because he already said we're in, a, we're in a humble spot, we're in a low spot. In fact, this high position has nothing to do with what's going on here on earth for us materially. And when James is referring to a high position, he's not referring to our financial status, our status on earth, but rather two things, our status in heaven and the status of our spiritual blessings, the things that money can't buy. Look at all God gives us that money can't buy. Now, I don't know what your story is, but I can give you a little bit of mine this morning, if you don't mind. So I'm, I'm just going to kind of crack open the door on a little bit of a financial story when you don't have a lot. Now, I don't know if you know this. I, I oftentimes counsel people, if you love to have a lot of things, don't have a lot of kids. You just think about it, all the extra clothing, the driving them all over the place, the extra food on the table. You realize the older they get, the more they eat. And I heard one guy, um, he saw on TV how you can feed a kid in India for a dollar a day. So he sent his kids there. <laughs> and some look at their checkbook. They say, wow, we don't have a lot. Been there. There been times my wife and I have looked at each other and we're like, you know what, how about, how about we hold off? Can we get another day without getting groceries? Or can we go another day? And we talk about that. I don't have much. Can I just reorient our lives on what really matters most? Psalm 1 says, children are legacy. Children are legacy from the Lord, and the fruit from your womb is his reward. Perspective shift. Okay, may not have a lot of resources, have a lot of kids. I think we're blessed. Rewards from God may not always be what sits in our account. God has given you what money and possessions cannot give. You're blessed beyond measure. Let me give you another little snippet story to help us reorient our thoughts about God's blessing. You know, we still haven't sold our home in New York. And if you're interested in buying it, I will make you a sweet deal today. Sweet deal and I've had some folks chat with me about questions about what God's trying to say. You know, what's, what's he trying to say with you not selling this? And, and I've even thought, why, why doesn't God bless? You know, why doesn't he answer prayer in this? You know, and, and, 
I'm there, gang. I'm right there with you. Sometimes we gauge his blessings based upon what we have and what we don't have. Lots of money, blessed. Little money, not blessed. Sell the house, blessed. Don't sell the house, not blessed. And my wife and I were chatting about this the other day after evaluating the last 16 months, all of our time here. And here's what we figured out. We just take that house thing and we put it back here and we lay everything else out. Here's what we found out. We are crazy, nutso, spoiled, blessed. We just started chronicling this and, and we're like, okay, now let's talk about our marriage. We talked about our marriage and we've never been on more dates ever. In these last 16 months, we've been on more dates than probably the last 16 years. It has been so much fun. And then we thought about our kids and we're like, our, we have had two crazy awesome victories with our children. And they're growing and, and they love God and they love church. And we're like, wow, that's, that's just fantastic. And, and then we looked at our church family and I'm like, you know what? There are hundreds of pastors who would just die for the opportunity to pastor a church like this. Now don't go looking for them. But it's true. Like, this is insane. And the relationships that we've been building with people, and, and we just went one after another after another. And guess, what, guess how many of those money can buy you? None. I'm like, we are crazy blessed. We've never been more full. We've never been more blessed with all the things that money could never afford us. And, you know, the, the worst illustration I could ever come up with is this southern, uh, this preacher from down south, and he just got so excited about all these blessings. He says, man, I feel like a mosquito at a nudist colony. You know, he's just like, this is just unbelievable. And Lisa and I concluded the other day, we would go through all of this all over again to experience the blessings that we have right now. It's awesome. And that's just here. And then like after this, guess where we go? Heaven. And it's even better up there, from what I've heard, than Traverse City, Michigan. Aren't we blessed, gang? And we can't let our finances or lack of them, fool us. And sometimes they do. We can't let our bank account fool us into thinking that we're not blessed. I remember um, in the Bible there's this account of, of this super rich guy and then this beggar named Lazarus. And, and the beggar would come by and all he was getting was scraps. Sometimes at my table, you know, kids fight each other for the last crab rangoon or whatever it may be. And it ends up in his day, Lazarus wasn't fighting off people. He was fighting off dogs for his food off the floor. Okay. And the Bible mentions that Lazarus dies, goes to heaven, and is being comforted. Can you figure this out? By Abraham. Can you imagine that? Dying and waking up and there's Abraham. Hello, let me take care of you. Like, what? And he had no one to attend to him when he died. 
The Bible says nothing about his burial, nothing about what happened. Chances are, in that day, they would take the body, they would go out in the garbage heap and go, whoop, and then they would burn the whole heap. The rich man died. And no doubt people cared for his body and all was nicely, beautifully done and he was placed in his tomb and everything was gorgeous. But then the Bible says, you know what? He woke up and the Bible says he woke up in hell. And I guarantee you that if you talk to Lazarus in heaven, he would not trade any day to go back and to be the rich guy that had the different end. Because he knew he had the best reward that ever could be. And so when we come down to it and we look at our finances, we realize it's so easy to lose sight of all we truly have here, of what really matters most. And it's also easy to lose sight of all that is in heaven waiting for those who believe that Jesus died for their sin. And if your funds are low, I'm just going to take you to the reality that your nest egg in heaven is not affected by anything that goes on down here on earth. Our earthly perspective on finances must be shaped by the reality of their acceptance by God, even though society may not think you're something else. God does. And our perspective on finances must be shaped by the reality of the limitless riches stored up in heaven. I've got a verse for you. You just have got to see this. It's in James 2, verse 5, and, and this is so good. It may not be on your notes. Just write it in there on the side. James 2, 5. Here's how it goes. It says, listen, my dear brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? It doesn't get any better than that. So remember, we're actually citizens of heaven. This is a temporary passport here on earth. And if you don't have much, use your story to point people to God's goodness and all of your blessings. If people say, wow, you don't have a lot, do you? You say, hey, I got more than what you'd ever realize. Let me tell you how God's blessed me. Go through him. And he's saying, you know what? When all this is done, I've got heaven. I am not complaining at all. And we can use our story of not having much to point people to Jesus. Here's number two. What about those who do have? So those who do have, look at verse 10. <clears throat> but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, its blossom falls, and the beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even when they go about their business. This is the interesting thing. Um, this next command is for rich believers for people that have much. And essentially, he wants them, and here's your blank there on your study guide, devalue. Rich believers, he says, devalue the significance of wealth. We can't be fooled by what we don't have, and we can't be fooled by what we do have 
in thinking that my greatest blessings are not yet to come. Devalue the significance of wealth. Now notice what he says. But the rich, and in context, these are rich believers. He's not talking to believers that are in humble circumstances and unbelievers who are rich. He's talking to believers in the same context, and he wants them to take pride. Boast with the tongue. Be loud about this. Let people know something. And what he wants them to know is that all of my money, I will be separated from it one day. Wealth is something, but that's not my real big blessing. Let me, just, let me just walk through this. I want you to see something. The rich should take pride in their humiliation. Notice it says, since they will pass away like a wildflower. Not their money. They may have their money all the way to the end. Great. And he mentions at the very end of verse 11, in the same way the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. What he says, you know what, boast about the reality. If someone says, man, you are loaded. You've got it made. Say, whoa, hold on here. Don't be fooled by what I do have. Because one day I'm going to die. And if you think this is cool, wait till you see what heaven's like. Notice both the rich and the poor have the same hope. And he wants our story to be, when you talk to someone don't look at what I don't have, and don't look at what I do have. The poor take pride in their, in their high position in Jesus. The rich take pride in their lowly position, saying, don't look at this, one day I'm going to die. All of this stays, and I've got better stuff to come. I've got Jesus Christ. Both of them have the same focus about the future, and understand there's nothing wrong with having money. And some people preach messages, oh, money is bad. No, it's nothing wrong with having it. The problem is if it has you. That's the problem. Take pride, boast in, be loud with the tongue. In your low position, if you have much, the rich man will fade away. The text doesn't say the money will. It says the believer with money will pass away just like the believer without money. The low position is emphasized as the reality that no matter what we possess, we one day will pass and get vocal to point people to Jesus. So don't look at my money. Look at the reality that I, just like those without, need Jesus Christ. Point to the future. Your story and my story, no matter if it's rich or poor, we have a story to share that points people to God and we need to tell that story. I remember there's a story in the Old Testament about a man named Job. He had it all. He was crazy rich. And in one moment, bam, it was all gone. He lost his family. He lost all of his possessions. He lost his servants. He lost it all. He was without everything. And then he said these words. He said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. So I'm going to praise God. And his story was not about his possessions. His story was about God. Use what you have or what you don't have as a means to point people to Jesus Christ. Here's this last one, and then I'm going to finish up with a couple words for us. All believers, and this is for your blank there, all believers, and this is verse 12, persevere. 
persevere when tested. Whether you're rich or poor, whatever it may be, persevere. Verse 12 says, blessed or happy is the one who perseveres under trial. Because when you stand the test, when you persevere, that person will receive a crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. God rewards with satisfying and blessed life those who persevere through challenge. You get to the other side, and it won't be our possessions that matter. God gifts us with eternal life when we have a relationship with him and point people to Jesus Christ. I want to give you these thoughts. We don't get to talk about money a lot. And some of these are very much related to what we just discussed. Some are uh, side notes. Can I have a heart-to-heart with us here today? I don't get to talk about money much. Let me talk to you about this. Here's number one application. And, And be careful not to respond in your mind too quickly to it because this is big. Here's number one. You are rich. You are. Now, if you're a believer in Christ, you are really, really, really rich because of all the spiritual blessing, all the things money can't buy, and then heaven. But let me just tell you from an earthly perspective, you're rich. You say, Pastor, I hardly have a penny on me. I mean, I got creditors calling me day and night, Pastor, and I'm, and I'm rich. Let me just put into perspective. Do you have access to a computer? Do you have a laptop or a smartphone? Do you have electricity? Do you have a connection to the internet? Do you know where your next meal is coming from? Do you have to worry at all about having clean water or having shelter over your head or accessing medical care? If you have that, let me just share with you folks, you are one of the wealthiest people to ever walk the face of the earth over all of time. We are rich people. I want to rattle off a few things. $10 a day. Most of us wouldn't work for $10 an hour. $10 a day is the norm living amount for 80% of the world's population. Can you catch that? Most of the population of the entire world lives on less than $10 a day. Is your annual household income above $9,733? Then you're doing better than most people on the globe. The median household income for the global population is less than 10000 a year. Can you imagine that? You realize your coffee that you bought this morning coming into the church to make sure you wouldn't fall asleep during the service? You should get a second cup next week. More than a third of the people on the earth live on less a day than what you spend on your coffee. 
1.2 billion people live on less than a dollar twenty-five. Most Americans spend less than 10% of their personal income on food. Most of the world's income, 60 to 80% of their income, goes to putting food on the table. And then here's the other one, and we're going to be talking about this in the weeks to come. Americans spend roughly $465 billion every Christmas. Picture that, $465 billion with a big B every Christmas. And then I go to Goodwill six months later and get most of your gifts for a dollar. Keep buying. No, just kidding, don't. Put it all aside. We're rich. We're blessed to live where we live. We have more than most of the world. And even if you're in a tight spot, you can still step back and say, I'm fed. I'm clean. I'm housed. We're rich. Here's number two. With all of that, value what matters most. So now we've gotten out of the way. We're all rich. Value what matters most. And here's the reality. Whenever we look at our money, it's so easy to think, ooh, that's so valuable. That home is so valuable. That car is so valuable. And and my paycheck is so valuable. and, And I really believe we need to recalibrate what truly matters most. And I remember hearing this story years ago about these thieves that went into a jewelry store for this heist. And instead of taking the jewelry, what they did is they swapped all the price tags. And so the stuff that was really valuable was like for costume jewelry price. And then the stuff that was the cheap fake stuff had huge price tags on it. And so everyone that came in was confused about what really was the most valuable thing in the store. And I think in the same way, our culture has become distorted as far as what really is most valuable. And I'll tell you what's most valuable is you connect with people who are coming down the final stretch of their life. They understand what's most valuable now. I've never sat with a person on their deathbed and they say, oh, I wish I went to the office more. Man, I wish I spent more time away and And on conference trips, I've never, ever, ever heard that from people. The only thing that I've heard from people when they know they're coming down the home stretch is, oh, my family. I wish I spent more time with my family. Or they say things like, why did I waste all that time on some of that stupid stuff and not invest in God? Because we recalibrate what matters most. And and I want to encourage us to think about now investing our lives in the things that matter most. And and Jesus says it better than me in in Matthew 6.33. He says, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. And then he takes care of the rest. 
like all those other things like food and clothing and housing and, and all of that, even necessities. God says, you know, seek first my stuff and I'll help you with that stuff. But oftentimes I, like the rest of us, get focused on the other stuff. And we forget to focus on what really matters most. Value what matters most. I'm going to tell you the things that matter most is Jesus Christ and having a relationship with him. Things that matter most, your marriage. We need to keep investing in our marriage even more than we would in our 401k. The best investment you can make. Your kids, invest in your kids. Invest in God's kingdom. Those three, those are the biggies. And why do I have four fingers up? I have no idea right now. That's why I went into ministry. I was bad at math. Value what matters most. Here's number three. Use your story to talk about Jesus. Don't use my story. Use your story. You're writing a story with God. And he wants you to use that to tell people of your hope in Jesus Christ. And maybe your story is, you know what, look, someone says, man, I wish I had half of what you had. You say, you know what, forget my money. That's not my blessing because one day I'm going to die. And I'm going to tell you what matters most right now is not money. It's Jesus it's your family. It's your marriage. And if you can connect with that, you have more than most of the people in the world. Maybe you don't have much, and they say, wow, we feel bad for you. You tell them, ah, 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 ah. Don't you feel bad for me? I am blessed. I am living it. God has done more for me than what money ever could. I'm blessed. Use your story to tell people about Jesus. And here's the last one, and with this we finish up. I love this. You probably have heard this one before. In God we trust. You ever hear that one before? It's on every piece of money you have. I love this because money is not, they're not lying. You know, all the money we get, there's a reason why it all says in God we trust. It's trying to help us to not be so dependent on it. And, and God says, okay, every bill you get, every dollar you get, every, everything has in God we trust. So it's kind of telling us a little hint. Stop putting all of our hope in the temporal, in just the cash. One day... It is something we cannot take with us. I remember there was this one husband and wife, and they had a terrible marriage. And it got to the very end, and he was dying, and he turned to his wife, and he says, I don't want you to have a penny of what I have. And his will was changed, and he said, you know what? When I die, I want you to put all my money in my coffin. And he died. And she wrote a check 
for every penny he had and put it in his coffin. And he pulls it up. And thankfully it was never cashed. It's always been about trusting in God. Money can't buy me happiness. Money can't buy me a good family. There's no false advertising with every piece of currency. Money makes a horrible God. And we need to stop worshiping it, whether we have it or not. Here's the last one. Money can't get you heaven. You realize that? Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, um, I really don't know if I have riches on the other side. I really don't know what's going to happen to me when I breathe my last. And I just want to share with you, you, you can know. In fact, not only can you know, you need to know. I, I don't know, if you don't know what you're trusting in to get to heaven, you may find out you don't have anything good waiting for you on the other side. So I want to I tell you really quick, if you don't know what's going on with you and God, you don't know for sure what happens when you breathe your last, it's what Pastor Dallas talked about when we were having our time of remembrance about Jesus. Here's what it's all about. We're all sinners. Every one of us has done something wrong, and the reality is our sin needs to be punished. And it's going to be punished one of two ways. Either we don't believe Jesus died on the cross for us. Either we don't believe that he bore our punishment for our sin when he died on the cross, and we will bear our own punishment one day in hell, is the reality of it. Or we say, you know what, I do believe. I believe when he was beaten and tortured, he bore my sin on his body. He died for me. He took my place, he took my sentence, he took my hit, he took my punishment, and I trust in him completely. It really is not only with our money in God we trust, it's with our eternity in God we trust. Plain and simple. We need to believe that Jesus died for us. Trust that. And if that's you, you're rich. You're dirty, stinking, filthy rich in all the stuff that matters most. Amen? Can I pray with you for a moment? Would you stand with me? You got some business to do. You got some financial business to do, friend. Don't look at your empty bank account as though you haven't been blessed by God. And don't look at your full bank account as though that's your blessing. And realize in all of life we need to trust God and in all afterlife, we need to trust God. And if you need to do some financial business with him, I want you to do it right now with your eyes closed in your heart. Maybe you've been bitter with God. How come I don't have this? You need to do some business with God and say, God, I'm sorry. 
Look at what I do have, and I've looked past it. Or maybe you've put your faith in your money and you need to realize time to devalue that. Put your faith in God and what matters most. I just want you to talk to him in just a moment of silence and tell him what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you want to express to him and acknowledge it is in God we trust. Would you do that? Pray to him in the quiet just for a moment in your heart. Father, forgive us when money's our pursuit, when we wish we had more, when we devalue the things that you give us that there's no price tag we could ever put on them. And God, may we be a people here at East Bay, make us a family that it's not all about the money, it's not about what we have or don't have here on earth, it's about what we have because of you and your rich blessings. We thank you, God, for all we have. We love you, God, for first loving us and giving your son to die for us on the cross. And all of East Bay said, amen. God bless you. Let's sing together. So you've got a story to tell. We all do. And don't think not having any money means you don't have a story. Your story can be really compelling if people see that money isn't your idol. And if you've got it, boy, your story can be really compelling when people realize money's not your idol. God is the one we worship. Can I just pray with you for a moment? I think this one is personal. And I want you to have some victory this week. Let me pray for you. God, in all seriousness, may you really be all we want. May you really be all we need. Help us to not get wrapped up in what goes and what fades. God, help us to be wrapped up in what really matters, and may we use that to point people to the one who truly gives it. God, thank you for giving us all you have, all you are, for giving us Jesus Christ. We're a blessed people, and with all of that we say amen. God bless your week. If you are a guest with us, come on back to the Welcome Center. We want to set you up with this and let you know it's been good to have you at East Bay. Have a great day.